yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is alive and well. If you believe that, let's lift our hands to him. Oh, he's alive and well, living in me to tell the world that he is the same oh he's the same today and forever jesus he's alive and well sing it one more time with all your heart now oh he's alive do you believe that this morning if he's alive and well he's able to meet every need me to tell all the world and he is the same oh i'm so glad he is he's the same yesterday oh today and forever Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that you're alive this morning and well, Lord, living in us to tell the world the story. Lord, you want to do that by manifesting your word in our lives, and I pray, Lord, that that would be done this morning. I pray that you'd move me out of the way and just begin to speak to your people as only you can. I pray that you'd move over every situation. Maybe there'd be something on the people's heart this morning that I wouldn't have, Lord, prepared, but it'd be something they need. Lord, I pray you'd help me to, to go that direction, to speak directly to their need. I know, Lord, I can't do that on my own. But Lord, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, if you would just move down, as we know you anoint your word. I pray, God, that you would do that today. I pray if there's a sick person here this morning that they could be healed completely, Lord, by your, by your grace. I pray if there's one that is in need of you, Lord, that needs to come close to the throne of God, I pray that, Lord, you'd help them to recognize their need. And may they move close to the fire today, Lord, and give up their all to you. Surrender everything to your word, we pray. We thank you for this service and for these people. We ask it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You love him this morning. Amen. Isn't it good to be here on a sunny, a sunny Sunday morning after the weather that we've had and be able to come to church and worship God Amen. In the fear and admonition of the Lord. You may be seated just for a moment. I've got a couple things I want to say to you before we read the scripture. It's good to have my cousin Kalila here with us today. Sitting back there by my mom. It's good to have her. These are my, my second cousins here, uh, Austin and Dylan. It's good to have them. And uh, I've got a ringing up here, Peter, if you could take care of that. And uh, they're, my goodness, they can do just about anything. And I'm thankful for that. And their pastor, Brother Wendell Martin, is going to be preaching for us in July, as well as Brother Andrew Glover in our meetings. So uh, we're looking forward to that. And uh, good to have family that serves the Lord. And, but you know, we're, all of us are promised our family. Is that right? We're promised that. And so we believe that each one of them, every one of them is going to serve the Lord, no matter how dark it may look right now. 
And so we believe that. It's good to have Sister, Sister Pat and his family. Got some visitors with us today. It's good to have them and uh, each one of you that came today. And uh, we want to be praying uh, especially for the Bailey family. Brother Bailey is here this morning. And uh, I uh, attended that funeral on, on Friday. I should say that celebration of life. You know, she has a much better life now than she did here. But she was loved, and Brother Bailey's going to miss his daughter being there with him. And so be praying for Brother Bailey and for Brother John and all of the family there that they would be comforted in this moment. Also, Brother David White is gone this morning. They had another wedding shower back at Millennia's place, so uh, they'll be back uh, next week, uh, or Wednesday night probably. But Brother uh, David also lost a brother, and I drove out there this week as well uh, to be with his family and, uh, and just be praying for them as well. I believe God is merciful, isn't he? And so we always, like I said, believe for our family and believe that they made it. And, uh, and I just saw the mercy of God in that situation, especially with Brother Mark. And, and uh, God's able to do that. He's able to reach right down into the situation. You think, well, how could that person ever be saved? And, and then all of a sudden, it just something happens, and, and it, just, it, it sets up just right for them to make it. Amen. Amen. I believe God does that for us. Amen. Listen, if you're going to go to hell, you're going to run across every, everything that God set up in your way. He's going to warn you. He's going to stop you. He's going to put something in front of you. And he even said, you know, we believe we're the bride. But he even said the spirit and the bride say, come. And whosoever will, <laughs> whosoever will, let him come and, and drink of the water of life freely. Amen. Aren't you glad to serve a God like that? Amen. God bless you this morning. I, I know Rush has been in the news. We're going to, Lord willing, talk about that on Wednesday night. There's some... Uh, special prophecies concerning Russia, and just kind of remind you of some of those things. And and uh, of course, they've gone to Ukraine. We need to be praying for Ukrainian believers and Russian believers. There's quite a few of them. The Russian believers have been under persecution for quite a while. This message is banned in Russia at this time, and and uh, because of the, some things Brother Branham said about prophecy about Russia and and Ukraine is uh, being overrun at this moment, and. They just don't have, they fought valiantly, but they just don't have. And there's believers, there's churches in those cities with believers in them. So let's be especially praying for them. Would you do that? And uh, we don't know what that's like. We've never experienced a war here on our country since the Civil War. It's been 160 or 70 years ago, I guess now. And so, so that's a, it's an amazing thing to be able to uh, see that and see people hold their faith and still believe God and still believe the message of the hour. But uh, they're living it. They're living. We talk about the end times. They're living the end times right now. Amen. So let's be praying for them. And I, I had just to kind of keep us in, in balance a little bit. When we look at those things, so you look at those things and say, well, is this the end time? And it is. It is the end time. It's been the end time for a long time, if we could say it that way. But we're getting to the end of the end. And Brother Branham said this about Russia. He said Russia, the reason Russia come to herself, she had to. He said, just like Israel had to get in the homeland, God had to drive Israel back to the homeland for the trumpets. And so did God have to drive Russia up there in communism to do exactly what's been prophesied she would do. And so Russia has been sleeping again for a while. But you think, why would they have to wake up now? Why are they all of a sudden so aggressive under, under Putin? They're so aggressive because God wakes them up. God does that for a purpose. He allows them 
to be that way because they have a part in end-time prophecy. And so let's be praying that God's will would be done in these things. And if you're not right with God, now's the time to get right with God. It, you don't have much time. None of us know how much time we have. Well, each one of us, we could be taken off of here, off of this earth tomorrow. But especially in this time, let's just be right with God. Let's just let everything out of the way, old grudges, old, old things that would hold us back from being where we should be with God. Let's just get that all out of the way. Just serve God and, and believe God and believe His Word because we never know what tomorrow holds. Amen. Amen. God bless you today. We'll deal with that some on, on Wednesday night. Let's stand together. Also, uh, next week, I'd like to have our election. We delayed it at the beginning of the year. I'd like to do that. Uh, I believe next week will be the first weekend in March. Uh, let's do that next week uh, for deacons, just to reelect our deacons and, and trustees. And, and uh, also, we'll try to give you a, just a basic financial report next week on what we've been doing with the offering money and the missions and things like that. Luke chapter 1 and verse 39 Luke 1, 39 to 44. And then we'll also read from 1 Thessalonians 4, 15. It says, And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah, and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation surrounded in, sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And then in 1 Thessalonians 4.15, it says, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain. How many want to be alive and remain? Amen. So not just to be here, but to be alive, to be a living body of Christ at the coming of the Lord. We which are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not hinder or prevent them which are asleep. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are, what, alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. I pray the Lord would add His blessing to the Word this morning. You may be seated. When a baby is conceived, it isn't long until you begin to feel signs of life. Now I know that when it comes to the uh, supernatural birth, the conception, there's no emotion, no sensation, in the conception, but there is, you do begin to feel signs of life, and when the baby's born, you know that. It's something that you know. And, and so there are signs of life that begin to show up in the, in the life and in the body of a person when, the, when that baby is alive. Now, Elizabeth had been pregnant for almost six months, and she was worried because she never felt the baby move. And so the baby was as though it was dead in the womb. She was afraid because there had been no movement. And if there was no movement, there would be a fear that would come on the mother because she'd begin to realize that, that uh, I don't know if this baby's alive because it's not moving. Because life always causes movement. When you have life, you move. 
Listen, when a church has life, it's not sitting still. It has movement. It may not be much, but it's movement. Are you with me this morning? And so Elizabeth said, I'm just a little worried because she'd had no life yet. And Brother Renham said, you know, the baby, as far as she knew, was dead. He said, the little John must have been dead in his mother's womb. And she'd felt no life as yet. And she was kind of worried because now life is always pushing the boundaries. Life is finding a way. It has detectable movement. Even if you were sleeping, you were moving, right? A little bit. There's a movement. You see the chest rise and fall. You, 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 there's a little bit of air coming out. And if you've ever been a parent and you know your baby's in there sleeping and they seem so still, you walk in. And many times I walked into my children and I walked in and put my hand on their chest or over their mouth to see that they were breathing. Because, you know, if they're alive, there's going to be some breath. There's going to be some movement. There's going to be something there. And the same thing is true of the Holy Ghost. If there's a Holy Ghost in the church, there's going to be some signs of life. Right? If the Holy Ghost is in our families, there's going to be some signs of life. If the Holy Ghost is, is among us, there's going to be signs of life. And just like Russia had to wake up and, and realize who they were in, in prophecy, they had to wake up. Israel had to wake up and realize who they were in prophecy. America has to realize, become who they are in prophecy. But the bride has got to become who they are. And there's got to be a people who raise up in the last days and actually step into their position and wake up. And Brother Branham said what happened is the denominational people missed the awakening of the bride. Then if the bride is awakened, there's got to be some movement there. Are you with me this morning? So there's movement. There's a, there's a, there's a living movement in the bride. Now, when, when the water breaks, Brother Branham says you don't have to do very much about it. When the blood comes, you don't have to do much about it. But in order to get life in the baby, you've got to give him a spanking, make him yell out. Now, he said you take a little some kind of a shock. He said maybe you wouldn't have to spank him, but just shock him a little. The very idea of him being born sometimes will do it. Grab him, shake him. I remember when Peter was born, I'd never experienced that before. And Peter was born, and, and I'm watching all that uh, happen, and and, and for some reason, they let us men in the room anymore. I don't know why. We're not doing any good in there. But they, they expect you to be in there, you know. And, and, and I actually had to sit down. I was about to die just, just watching it. And, and, and here's the baby being born. When Peter was born, he didn't breathe very much. He didn't make much movement. And so they were roughing him up. I thought they were going to kill him because they were shaking him and beating him. You still have to do that to wake him up in the morning, but... I mean, they just, he just didn't move very much because he had stuff in his lungs. It was a very difficult birth. And, but, but, you know, they, had, they were doing that for a reason. And God sometimes, yeah. listen to me, church, he lets us go through things. Yes. And we wonder, why have I gone through this over and over again? What is this movement in the water? Why, why is the water troubled? Why is the church troubled? Why is the nation troubled? Why are these things going on? Because sometimes God wants to, wants to see, wants to shake us until we begin to move. He's trying to get us to go somewhere. Listen, we're not here for the duration. We're not supposed to live for this world. Are you with me this morning? We're not here to stay here. We're not building kingdoms here, but we're building something that will help us in the other world. We're looking forward to an eternity that's coming. And so sometimes he lets us be shaken. He let us be shaken by COVID, by, by all the things that's been taking place. Why is, he, why is the world shaking today? Because he wants to see movement. And I believe there's movement in the bride today. Are you with me? 
I believe there's movement in the bride. Now, Brother Branham says he don't. He says if he don't start breathing, spank him a little, and then he yells out in unknown tongues to himself, I guess. He said, but anyhow, he's making a noise. And I think if a baby is born just by stillbirth with no sound, no emotion, that's a dead baby. He said, that's what's the matter with the church today, the system. We got too many stillborn children. He said, that's right. They need a gospel spanking. You see, to wake them up, to bring them to themselves so that God can breathe the breath of life into them. Hallelujah. Listen, that, that shock, that hearing the name of Jesus and Mary's salutation to Elizabeth when the name of Jesus was spoken for the first time and she began to tell the story to Elizabeth when that was spoken, that was the shock that brought John to life. Notice, Brother Brandon said, just as soon as she said Jesus, the first time the name of Jesus Christ was ever spoke through a human lip, the little dead baby in its mother's womb received the Holy Ghost and began to jump for joy in the womb of a mother. And he said, what ought the name of Jesus to do to a born-again church? Oh, my. Church, we just realize who we're talking about. I wonder sometimes when we sing and when we preach and, and when we do the things that we do, I wonder if, the, if what we're saying ever goes through our brain. I wonder if it ever actually, we actually realize when I speak the name of Jesus, I'm speaking of someone who's the Alpha and the Omega. I'm speaking of someone who's all-powerful. I'm speaking of someone who has no limits to his power. I'm speaking to someone who can heal. I'm speaking of someone who can save. I'm speaking of someone who can take away every burden and say, lay them on me. I'm speaking of someone who died for my sins. Are you with me this morning? It's not just something we say, but I'm speaking of something real. Hallelujah. What ought the name of Jesus, he said, do to a born-again church? Hallelujah. Oh, it ought to stir us up just to hear about his name. What he did for us when we sing songs like we sung this morning about Calvary and about, the, about what he did for us on that day and how he became us so that we might become him. It ought to do something for us because we're talking not about something that we heard about 2,000 years ago, but we're talking about a reality in our lives. We've, we know our life has changed. We know things are different than they were before. I'm not who I was. I'm something different. Amen. And it brings a, a glory into the church, a life into the church when the name of Jesus is spoken and exalted. Now, the body of a baby is made up of different parts. So is the body of the church. Different parts. Now, I want to type that this morning in kind of maybe an odd way because I'm a little bit of an odd person. But I, I want to type it maybe in a little bit of an odd way to the physical church building. Because if there's life in the church, then you'd expect things to move. Now, and in the body of the church, you know, we know we are the body of Christ. How many know that? We are the body of Christ. The rest of you, I, you know, you just have to catch up with this. But the body is Christ, and we are the body of Christ. Now, do you expect to see different movements in different parts of the body, right? You, you expect to see that. Now, when I'm up here under control, and, and as much as I can be, but there's certain things that are mannerisms. That's one of them right there. I grab my ring is actually what I'm doing, make sure it's still there. I have a, when I got married, I never wanted to wear a ring I couldn't take off. And, and, and there's a reason I'm claustrophobic. It's not because I didn't, I've worn this ring every day and every night since we got married almost 16 years ago, but I always touch it it's it's just something i do involuntarily but the things i do under the control of my brain you expect my body to move in certain ways 
Right? If my brain tells me to walk over here, I'm going, my, my feet will move in that direction. Right? It's a sign of controlled life. Does that make sense? It's life controlled. You expect me to move. If I just stood here and, and, and stood completely still, you'd think there was something wrong with me. Now, that's true. You think about it. How much does a person move while they're preaching? A lot. Because you, you expect the person to, you know, somebody walked up to you, and they begin to talk to you, and their face never moved, and their mouth never moved, and their body never moved. You think there's something wrong with them. Right? Even though they were talking to you, but there's some, something's got to move. Right? Or you think that they're dead. Now, so there's, but there's different movements. I don't expect my hands to move like my eyes do or my feet to move like my hands do. There's different movements in different parts of the body. Now, you could be dead and still move. <laughs> we won't hear any stories today, but you could be dead and still move. Right? Now, but watch. Now, your movements wouldn't be directed by the head. Now, I can prove that. We used to cut chickens' heads off. Right? If you've been out on the farm, you know what that's like, Brother Danny. You told me some of them stories. We used to do that. And you take a chicken and cut its head off, and the blood will spurt up where the head was. I'm glad we're not eating very soon. The blood will come up where the head, where the head was, and that chicken will run around the yard just like crazy. But it's, it, it, it don't make any sense. And so when you see somebody just going here and there and with no sense to their movements, you say, well, they're running around like a chicken with its head cut off. Because the movement of the body is not connected to the head. Right? And there are some movements that we do involuntarily, but that's the movement of the body. Now, in the body of Christ, the movement should be connected to the head. That's why the spirit of the prophet can be subject to the prophets. That's why we can still have church order and yet worship God. Right, Because the movement of the body is connected to the head. We are not off on our own, doing our own thing, off a, on the side somewhere, just, just playing our own game. But the movement of the body, listen, listen, that's why it's so dangerous when somebody gets away from the church in the sense that they, they begin to drift away and they begin to say, well, I'll just do my own thing. And it's not because we want to control people. That's not it at all. But you've got to work within a body. If you're not working with the body, if I'm walking around here and my foot's just shaking all on its own, that's a problem. Right? My foot's supposed to be carrying me somewhere. Are you with me this morning? So the movement of the body ought to be connected to the head. Right? Now, and Brother Branham said this about that, about the body movement. He said we got the same thing. He said we stay with the word, we live. How many believe that today? Man shall live by every word. But if we don't, we die. We spiritually die. He said, oh, we can still make noise, sure, kick around. And holler and carry on, but that ain't living. Yeah, yeah, sure. So something could seem to be alive. Now listen, the Pentecostal church runs the aisles. I've been in some of their services where there's, uh, there's much more emotion than there is maybe in our services. And, and I'd be okay with a little more in ours, to be honest with you. I'd be okay with that. But you know what? It's not connected to the word, the head. Right? And you take the same maybe movements, but you connect it to the head, it's going to produce something. 
Right? Two people come to the altar. One comes under the influence of a story about his, um, his mother or something like that. Comes under that influence. Another person comes because he's genuinely convicted of his sin. When that movement is because of genuine conviction, what does it do? They come to the altar, and, and when they get down there, something happens because the movement is directed by the head. Not this intellectual head, but the head is Christ. Yeah. Are you with me now? The head is not the pastor. The head is not the deacons. The head is Christ. The Holy Spirit. So something that makes no movement, though, is dead, period. Right? If it's just not making any movement, it's dead. Say, so, well, we're an alive church. Okay, but you're going to make some movement if you are alive, in fact, alive. You, you're going to be moving. Now, and you look in the Old Testament for an example of that. The priest, when he went into the Holy of Holies, he had a bell and a pomegranate on his, on his robe. When he walked in, that, that bell and pomegranate would, would move, and the movement would cause the bell to ring. And, and, and when, it, when it did that, they would know he was still alive. Right? And if that stopped, everybody held their breath because the priest was not moving. As long as he was alive, those were sensitive enough to the movement of his body that as long as he was alive, that would still be there. That sound would still be there. Listen to me, church. Brother Branham typed that over and over again to the church, and he said if there's no movement, if there's no noise, the church is dead. Right, yeah. right. right. now he, he doesn't do that just once, he does that many times. He said it in this way, he said, I can prove anything that hasn't got emotion in it is dead, so if your religion ain't got a little emotion in it, you better bury it and get something. You'd have to have emotion to be alive. Right. And I've told you before, you've got emotion, you may just not realize it. You've got emotion or you couldn't have bitterness against people. You got emotion or you couldn't hate on people. You got emotion or you couldn't, or, or you couldn't sit there and talk about somebody. You got emotions. But I want our emotions to be used in a positive way. If I'm going to express my, myself and my emotions, let it be a, a praise to God, a worship to God, a hallelujah, a, a, a song in the house of the Lord. Let it be something that will exalt Christ instead of something that tears down my brother. Are you with me now? Now, the first place, if you were, like I said, if you're typing into a physical church, the first place you would look for signs of life if you were walking into a church is signs of life in the pulpit. Right? That's the first place you'd look. You, you begin to look for signs of life in the pulpit. What do we expect from preachers? Are, are they to be intellectual teachers? And you preachers, just bear with me for just a moment. I'm not trying to, to preach at you, but at myself this morning. Well, I begin to think about this. What do we expect from our preachers? In Hebrews 1, 7, it says that he makes his ministers a flame of fire. A flame of fire. He's talking there about angels, but the minister is an angel to the church. Right? Now, he makes his ministers a flame of fire. In 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11, it says, As every man has received the gift, even so minister the same one to another. So they're not all going to be the same. He said, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. In other words, let him be confident in what he says. Amen. Right? We don't speak us one way that they knew the difference between Jesus and the scribes in the New Testament. is when Jesus walked out there, when Jesus walked out there, they said he speaks with authority. He speaks with authority like somebody that knows what he's talking about. Why did he say that? Because... Because that, that he was different from the scribes who said, well, it could be this way, it could be that way. But we have a voice of authority in our day. 
Right? We've heard the voice of authority, and we have to be a voice of authority. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion for ever and ever and ever. Now, Brother Brown said every denomination has these seminaries, hatch out a bunch of incubator preachers. He said, I always felt sorry for an incubator chicken. It had no mammy. So it never felt the warmth of a mother's love because it was born in an incubator. Oh, and he typed that to preachers. They didn't know the, the, the comfort of the Holy Spirit. They didn't know what it was like to be in a move of the Holy Spirit. They didn't know what it was like to be in revival. It was an incubator preacher hatched out without a move of God. Huh, are you hearing me now? And that kind of a preacher is never going to move God's people. Why? Because it's just an intellectual uh, understanding. No matter how much it chirped, it wasn't mothered. He said that's the way these machines turn out clergymen. Sometimes no, no more about God than a Hottentot does about Egyptian knights. Or a rabbit knows how to put on snowshoes. He said what we need is an experienced preacher. Now he's not talking about the length of time that they've been preaching. But he's talking about a preacher with an experience. Go listen to it. He said, what we need is an experienced preacher that's been on the backside of the desert till he stayed in that place under God until the pillar of fire come down before him like it did with Moses, and nobody can take that from him. An experienced preacher. I don't care if someone's 16 years old, but give me somebody, Brother Austin, that can stand there under the influence of the Holy Ghost and has known what God is like, has met God for himself, and his life has changed. That's the kind of preachers we want. Not somebody just give you an intellectual talk. Again, Brother Brandon says, what we need is an old-fashioned, God-sent, scalding religion that will scald that world in us out of the church. We need to come back to the Holy Ghost and fire. Back to the thing that burns out the dross, brings the old-fashioned preaching back. Why are people today are trying to do away with preaching in the pulpit? But a prophet said, it, we want to bring it back. Bring the old-fashioned preaching back. Make heaven high and hell hot, gun barrel straight. We need that kind of preaching. He said, but you do it today, your congregation will vote you out. I'm so glad I don't have a congregation like that. He said, your congregation will vote you out. He said, sometimes good preachers are led astray by their congregation. He said, that's the reason I have no denomination. I have one headquarters that's from heaven. Wherever he sends, there I go. Whatever he says, I say. We don't want no denomination. Listen, I don't tell these other preachers what to preach. They have to hear from God themselves. We don't have a denomination. He said, I have one headquarters that's from heaven. Wherever he sends, there I go. Whatever he says, I say. We don't want no denomination. This church ever talks about denomination? You've lost your pastor right then. I wouldn't hang around it, not one five minutes. Listen, if there's somebody some in some other town, some other place that can tell us what time to have church, yeah, come on. that's a denomination. Right. If there's somebody in some other town, some other place that can tell me what to preach on Sunday or what tapes to listen to or, or what to feed the people, that's a denomination. Right. I don't care who it is. I don't have to preach it because the church down the road preaches it. Much respect as I have for Brother Wendell or, or, or Brother Tim Pruitt or Brother Donnie Reagan or whoever it is. I've got tremendous respect for them. Brother Bill Ivey, i got respect for many men. But I don't have to preach something because they preach it. I preach something because the Word is it's true. It's in the Word. And God, it's inspired to me. I don't study other men's sermons to preach the Word. I study the Word of God. Are you with me now? We have one headquarters. We should never, if we talk about denomination, I'll say amen to that. If there's ever a denomination, you've lost your pastor. Huh? Brother Brown said they think you have to have curly hair. Oh, I'm so glad this is in the message. 
They think you have to have hair. Curly hair and wear tuxedo suits and say, oh, man, so beautiful. All like this and be a prince. He said, that's a woman's puppet. <laughs> God wants men, godly men, men that can shake. He don't mean men that can stand up here and shake, but men that can shake something, right, by their words. Are you with me now? Men that can shake, but today we want Hollywood. We want something that's desirable to the eye. We want something that can speak so intellectually that he can let us sleep for five minutes on Sunday morning. Huh? So glad to see all these kids awake this morning and bright-eyed and taking notes. Huh? But that's what people want. Somebody can let them sleep for five minutes. He said, we want something so intellectual you can let us sleep for five minutes on Sunday morning. He said, God wants separators who will send her forth like a blaze of lightning. This is what God wants to see, a sign of life that God wants to see in the pulpit. He wants separators who will send her forth like a blaze of lightning, condemn sin to the roots. Yeah. Dig it out. He said, but we want our intellectual pastors. Most of the people want a whispering pastor. Somebody says, yes, dearie. God wants thunderbolts. I feel bad sometimes because I feel like I'm yelling at you, but that's, God wants thunderbolts. <laughs> Not whispering pastors. <laughs> you find the signs of life in the pulpit if, if the church is alive. Where else would you find signs of life? It wouldn't be just in the pulpit. Oh, we're going to move down in a minute. You find signs of life at the altar. Now, traditionally, you'd have an altar in the front of the church. Let's, let's look at that for just a moment. Signs of life at the altar. Let's go to Malachi chapter 1 and verse 6. Malachi chapter 1 and verse 6. You can turn there with me if you want this morning. It, it just, I'm going to read several verses. A son honoreth his father and a servant his master. If, I, if then I be a father, where is my honor? If I be a master, where is my fear, saith the Lord of hosts? Unto you, O priests, that despise my name. And you say, wherein have we despised thy name? You offer polluted bread upon mine altar. So they are offering a less than perfect sacrifice. Aren't you glad your sacrifice is perfect? But there was trouble at the altar because the people were not willing to get into the, to the service and give their all to it. Right. Yeah. Are you with me this morning? They were offering polluted bread, and you say, wherein have we polluted thee? So the thing they were offering wasn't what was polluted, but it's the way and the attitude that they had when they offered it. Amen. Now think about it, and then they, later, because they had that attitude, they brought the lame and the blind and everything else to the altar. But now it's the attitude. He said, "Why? wherein have we polluted thee? And that you say, the table of the Lord is contemptible. And that means actually to regard something as worthless. You can take it or leave it. And so people today, and I type this to an altar because it's at the altar in the sense that people have regarded, people have regarded this, the, the services that we have and the time that we have around the altar specifically. And we'll get to the pew in just a minute, don't worry. But, but we, the, the part about the altar is that uh, the altar has been despised in this day as something that's worthless. It's not worth coming to. It's not worth having a service when somebody's praying. That we, we, we just want them to let us go. So, and we want to just move out real quick because the altar time is there. But we should not despise the altar. If I could just use a, a play on words this morning. I know they were talking about an Old Testament altar then. But we should not despise a New Testament altar, a place and a time for a sinner to make his heart right. There's got to be a place for you yes, sir. where you make your heart right. Yeah. 
There's got to be a place. And you say, Brother Ben, but I feel so, so condemned when I come to church. But listen to me. Oh, I hope you can hear me today. There's a place of freedom. There's a place, that, there's a place you can come to where the Word doesn't condemn you anymore, where you don't feel bad about those things. And it's not because you're a good person. It's not because of how you live necessarily. But it's because you come face to face with that burning bush and that pillar of fire. And you've literally given, surrendered your entire life to God. And He's come and forgiven you of your sins. And wash all of the things away from you. And you know that. Regardless, you may still make mistakes. You may have problems in your life. But you've reached a place of assurance and safety. And you can come with confidence to the altar of God. Oh, don't you want that place today? Oh, my. Don't you want that place? Don't you want to be in that place? Listen, we should bring our best to the altar. He said, if you offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? If you offer the lame and sick, well, think about our attitudes now. <laughs> Brother Stewart's going to preach tonight, so he'll, he'll preach his back happy. But I just want us to think about it. <laughs> if you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto thy governor. And we can say it this way. Go, give that effort to your boss. Will he be pleased with thee? Will he accept thee? Joel's boss might because he works for himself, but. The effort that you put into the house of God. What are we doing here, church? And I don't say this to fault your effort, but to, to see it continue. To see it continue because we can get to a place where the preacher is preaching his heart out and everybody just sits there and watches. I don't want a church like that. I don't want to be a part of a church like that. I want to see a, a reaction. It may not be people jumping and shouting and running, but under the control of the head, there may be something, a reaction there, something that's alive, something that moves in, the, in, in response to the word. There's got to be something there. If you offer something less than your best to God, if you make church secondary, if you say, well, I might go or I might not go, what does that do? How does God view that? He said, well, if you offered that effort to your boss, what would it be like? That now I pray you beseech God that he will be gracious unto us. This has been by your means. He says, will he regard your person, saith the Lord of hosts? Who is there even among you that would shut the doors for naught? Now they had reached such a place that they wouldn't even close the doors in the church. Wouldn't even lock up unless they were paid for it. <laughs> Think about it. Neither do you kindle fire on mine altar for naught. You know how we get paid many times? I'm just going to preach. I can't help it. Just stay with me this morning. You know how many times we get paid? We expect applause. I know I got to a place, you know, sometimes as a preacher you get to a place where, well, nobody said it was a good sermon, but that's not why I preach. Right? I'm preaching to help people. Uh, to put a fire under people. And, and I, my master is upstairs. Right? He, he, he's not... He's not so concerned about whether people said it was a good sermon, but whether or not the word was preached. Are you with me now? And so they'd reach such a place, they wouldn't do nothing unless somebody, oh, you're good. Man, you're good, man. You, you, just, man, you just bless the people. You just help. But listen, I've always looked at it like this. You know, like Simon, I preached that to you before. Simon was standing there on the side of the road, and here comes Jesus with a, with a cross, and he's carrying it, and it's going thump, 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 thump down the road. And Jesus reaches a place where in his physical body where he's so tired, he's so weak, that he can't go on anymore. And he reaches such a place that he falls down. 
And Simon is standing there by the side of the road, and he just happens to see the body of Christ fall. And he says, what am I going to do? And, and here a Roman soldier compels him and said, you carry his cross. That's what I feel like ministry is. You're standing there, and the Holy Spirit comes and compels you to go and carry the cross, to pick up the body of Christ when it's weak, not to be the one that gets the most applause, not to be the one that gets, has the most views on Facebook, not to be the person, the pastor of the biggest church, but to be somebody. Yeah. Are you with me this morning? That can be a help. That can do the things that nobody sees. Nobody sees who sweeps the floors. Nobody sees who shows up early and prays. Nobody sees who gets down by their bed at night and prays for the pastor and the musicians and the song leader. Nobody sees those people, but God sees it. Nobody sees who, who gives sacrificially. Nobody sees many of those things, but God sees it. Amen. And, and he appreciates that so much. He said, I have no pleasure in, in the things that you do because of your attitude towards it, you want to be paid for it. You want to be noticed for it. Yeah. Oh, God, help us today. I know we preachers get like that too many times, but God, help me. I know I'd rather have somebody notice me than not notice me. Yeah. Everybody would. You don't want to not be noticed, but that's not why we do it. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. He said, neither do you kindle fire on my altar for naught. I have no pleasure in you, saith the Lord of hosts. Neither will I accept an offering at your hand. From the rising of the sun even to the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. That's us this morning. Amen. He said, in every place incense shall be offered unto my name and a pure offering. For my name shall be great among the heathen, saith the Lord of hosts. But if you have profaned it in that you say, the table of the Lord is polluted and the fruit thereof, even his meat, is contemptible, it's worthless. You said also, behold, what a weariness is it. And you have snuffed at it, saith the Lord of hosts. Oh, it's just church again. I can't. I don't even want to go. It's not a problem with the church. It's a problem with our attitude. I don't care if it was a preacher that couldn't hardly stumble over two words. Or a singer and musicians that could barely play. Or no musicians at all. It's the house of the Lord. It's the house of the Lord. And the house of the Lord deserves my best. It deserves my reverence. It deserves my effort. Are you with me this morning? Well, I appreciate it. I enjoy seeing some of our backups play sometimes and some of the ones who don't do it all the time. And I appreciate the effort our regular musicians put into it. My, we have a wonderful service, but when we have backups and extras and things like that and they're able to play and, and the preachers who aren't the pastor, you know, you all are providing for my living so I'm able to study and, 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 go, and, and go and do and, and be there for people and pray for people. And you all do that. You provide for me. And you provide well. But these other brothers aren't compensated other than just an offering now and then for what they do. But I tell you what, but that reward many times will be greater because what I do, I do it by obligation. Does that make sense? But many of you volunteer, and I'm so glad that you do. But I like to see the backups many times. Or somebody that's not so great, maybe at what they do, but they got number one, they got to learn. And another thing is they're doing it from their heart. Not because somebody said, oh, somebody begged them to do it. So many people, excuse me, but people act like they don't want to do stuff. Well, I don't want to do it. Really what they want you to do is beg them to do it. We should not have to beg people to worship. We shouldn't have to beg people to come to church. We shouldn't have to beg people to play the piano or to play the drums or to do whatever. There should be something in your heart that cries out to God every day. Say, Lord, I want to be right. I want to be. I want to live for you. What can I do if the body of Christ is weak in some area? Let me pick up the cross. Carry it to the best of my ability. Because not everybody has the ability to do that. 
he said, what a weariness it is. You brought that which was torn and the lame and the sick. He said, thus you brought an offering. Should I accept this of your hand, saith the Lord? But cursed be the deceiver who hath in his flock a male. He has the ability to do something beyond what he's doing. And voweth and sacrifice unto the Lord a corrupt thing. For I'm a great king, saith the Lord of hosts. And my name is dreadful among the heathen. See, God wants your best at the altar. Brother Brown said, we've gone off without the old time prayer meetings and the baptism of the Holy Ghost coming back until the fire is burnt low. You can cry out and try to get people to the altar and they just walk up like they were almost dead, a dread to come. And then ask ministers to come pray with them. Oh, why did he ask me for? They get down there, you can't hardly get them. And they'll stand there just for a few minutes, look up as you, go back and sit down in their seats. To me, he said, the fire has gone out. Something has happened. Listen, what we need is a revival that sinners looking upon Christ repent, run to the altar with their hands up, screaming for mercy, and the whole church is a flame of fire with the glory of God. Right. So, oh, that must have been back in the 40s. No, it was in 1964. Brother Branham didn't change that with the opening of the word. He said, I went to places even, and the people who are supposed to be spirit-filled people and see altar calls made, he said, why, you couldn't get people to go in with anybody to pray with them. He said, that shows it's Ichabod. The spirit of the Lord has departed. He said, but when you see that zeal and fire and longing, long for human souls. In Brother Branham's tent vision, we've talked about it several times recently. He had his, his vision about a tent, and he saw in the tent. He never said he was going to come back and preach in a tent. That's something somebody else said. But he did have a vision about a tent in that third pole vision. And when he had the vision about the tent, he also saw an altar call. But he saw in the first place, he said they didn't have an altar call. If you go back to the original place where he tells the vision, in, in what is the vision in 1956, they had no altar call. They were begging for money instead of souls. Listen, if I'm going to be sincere about something, let it be souls, not money. Are you with me now? If I'm going to care about something, let it be souls, not money. They're begging for money. And he said, I just made an altar call. It seemed like down at the altar. Now he's talking about later. He said, when I was down there, I looked, and there was hundreds of people standing around the altar weeping because they had accepted the Lord Jesus, and they were just weeping out loud. He said, and I said, oh, that's more like it, like that. Well, their heart was in it. They weren't just begging for money. That's a denominational thing. Listen, if we don't have the money to operate, we'll just shut down. And we do. We're not short on money. Don't get that in your head this morning. We're not short on money. But you see that if we don't have the money to operate, I'm not going to beg you for it. I'll go get a job and provide for it myself, and I believe God would provide. Are you with me this morning? A man, listen, he, Brother Brandon talked about coming to the altar this way. He said, come with a determination. Come that you're going to stay there till it's over. Stay there till God answers and vindicates. This is powerful. A man that believes in God can see the presence of God. Feel the presence of God. Sense the presence of God. You believe in God today. A man that believes. The reason you don't feel. The reason you don't sense. The reason you don't know he's here. Is because you don't believe like you should. But if you believe. You can sense God. Now it's not always going to be there. There's going to be times you have to believe. And you can't feel him. But there will be a time when you can feel him. Are you with me now? You believe him regardless. 
But because you believe him, a man that believes in God can see, see the presence of God, feel the presence of God, sense the presence of God, and know he's here. He is here to answer everything that he made promise for in this day. Then cry till you get it. Can we do that this morning? Hold on to him. Don't leave if you have to stay day and night. God don't want his children. Listen, here we go again. Is there a life in the altar? Is there life in the pulpit? God don't want his children to listen to intellectual speeches. He wants them to cry out to it till the promise is vindicated. Amen. Amen. Well, I'll sit back and wait and see what God does, and then I'll react to it. No, he wants you to cry for it. Amen. Oh, we're getting to it now. There's signs of life in the, in the pulpit, signs of life at the altar. There's signs of life in the pew. Yeah. <laughs> Not just in the pulpit and the altar, but in the pew. Yeah. Where is the life in the pew? Listen, spiritually alive people worship. Yeah. It's just what they do. No revival in history was word only. None. Right. You go back and find any revival in history, it wasn't word only. It was a word revival that produced an emotional revival. It wasn't emotion only. It wasn't just an emotional revival, but the word revival produced an emotion in the people. Listen to Deuteronomy 12 and 10. Moses speaking to the people, he said, But when you go over Jordan and dwell in the land which the Lord your God giveth you to inherit, when he giveth you rest from all your enemies round about, so that you dwell in safety... Then there shall be a place which the Lord your God shall choose to cause its name to dwell there. Thither shall you bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, the heave offering of your hand, all your choice vows which you vow unto the Lord. And ye shall rejoice. Yes. Yes. Moses is standing there and saying, now I command you to rejoice. Right. People say, well, I don't feel like it. Well, that wasn't what he said. Yeah. You shall rejoice. Yes, Why? Because you've reached the land. Flowing with milk and honey. You can rejoice in Christ. Amen. When everything's going wrong, you can still rejoice. Paul said again, I say rejoice. Right. So that commandment in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, you shall rejoice. Yes. Listen to me. When you're playing the instruments, you shall rejoice. Yeah. When you're sitting in the pews, you shall rejoice. What? Well, it's a sign of life in the pew. Yeah. It's not just about being melancholy and, 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 and deadbeat all the time and worried. And I know there's times we're worried. I know there's times you can't tell a grieving person, oh, be happy. How are you going to tell a grieving person to be happy? But even in a grieving man or woman, inside of their heart, there's something. Even though they're grieving and tears are flowing down their face, but they're still worshiping God because they're saying, Lord, I know you give and you take away. Look at Job. He lost everything. But he said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What was he doing? Grieving. And he was grieving, but he was worshiping. Yes. He was grieving, but he was celebrating. Amen. Amen. Many times that's the condition of our life is such that, that we get to a place where we can't hardly seem like, say, bring a smile to our face because of the things that we've been through. And some of you have lost many, many things in life and you've been through many, many things. But I believe you can raise your hand this morning and there can be a, something in your voice, in your eye this morning that you can say, I still know my God is good. Even though I've been through the fire, even though I've been through the hard times, even though I've been through the times when it seemed like I couldn't make it another step. I couldn't put one foot in front of another, but I still know my God is good. Right. Amen. Amen. Spiritually alive people worship God. Right. Respond to the word. Right. Nehemiah 8 and 6, Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen. Amen. With lifting up their hands. Well, some of y'all about to have a stroke, aren't you? Amen, amen, with lifting up their hands and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Amen. amen. 
Amen. Psalms 150 says, praise you the Lord. Listen, this is a sign of life in the pew. Not the only sign of life, but a sign of life. Praise you the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and organs. Amen. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Huh? These are the loud cymbals. You can't even hear that. That's the loud cymbals. Huh? The loud cymbals. See, you can't have drums in the church. Well, the loud cymbals. <laughs> oh, my. Praise him on the high-sounding cymbals. That's that little one right there, probably. <laughs> Praise him on the loud cymbals, on the high-sounding cymbals. I think sometimes we forget that we worship an almighty God. Listen, there's nothing that goes on in our life. And again, I'm not saying that because I feel that. I feel that God allowed me to have a, I have a feeling for people. I empathize with people. But some of you have been through things I can't empathize with. You've been through things I, I've never been through. I don't know what that's like. But I do know this. God is still faithful. He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. He didn't die. He's still alive. It may be hard, the, the time that you're going through, the, the, the struggle that you're going through right now, maybe just sit in church, you, it's a struggle to even be there. But there's something inside of you that's still rejoicing. You're still praising God. I believe we can have a good service and worship God and trust God, even when COVID rages outside, even when war rages outside. David said, the war rages against me, in this will I be confident. Amen. He's hid me in the shelter. He's hid me in the secret of his tabernacle. Hey man, aren't you glad for a God like that today? Yes, Hallelujah. You still alive this morning? Amen. Oh, I'm going to start looking for some signs of life in the pew. Hey man, The Bible says speaking to yourself. That's the, that's the Old Testament. You say, well, that's the Old Testament. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. It's the Old Testament. Let's look at the New Testament. Ephesians 5.19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Three different types of songs. And we'll go into that sometime. I've done it before where we talk about the different kinds of songs. Because not every kind of song is the same. And for the same purpose. And we get in the spirit of the Lord and sometimes a song will make you cry. Sometimes a song will make you rejoice and make you happy. And that's a good thing because God allows us to have music, good music, spiritual music for that reason. He said singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Verse 20, giving thanks always for all things. That's difficult. That's more difficult than what I thought when I was a kid because I've seen so much more. It's more difficult than what you thought when you were a kid because you've seen so much more. And if your life has never been touched by grief, you say, oh, that's, that's easy in all things, giving thanks. I thank God for my job. I thank God for my car. I thank God for that. I thank God for that wife he gave me. I thank God for my kids. I thank God for my money in the bank. But he said all things. So you have cancer, then do you thank God for all things? You never say thank God for the cancer, but you say thank God that even during cancer, I know I have a God who heals cancer. Amen. In all things, thank giving thanks always for all things. You lost your job, giving thanks always for all things. God must have a better job for me. Are you with me now? God must have a better job. God must have, I've lost some things. I've lost some friends in my lifetime. I've had troubles and, and struggles, but God must have had something better for me. 
Amen. God's got something better. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, Brother Brandon said this about it. He said, well, music's not supposed to make you feel good. I'm just going to kill that devil this morning. Let's put it like that. <laughs> People say, well, music's not supposed to make you feel good. It's just supposed to make you... Well, it made Brother Brandon feel good. It made Moses feel good. It made, made uh, David feel good when he danced to it. Music's not supposed to make you feel good. Listen, Brother Brandon said, I, he's talking to a man. He said, I want to be sure you get that for me. If you have a little tape, put it on it for me special so my children want to hear it. He said, when I get, get, kind of get down a little low, I hear that. It makes me feel good. And I've heard it said, well, music don't make you feel good. It's not supposed to do that. It's supposed to convict you. There's times it's supposed to convict you. And there's times it's supposed to make you feel good. To hear good singing. He said, Billy, I go in the office down there, and he has constantly got them tapes of singing going all the time. And I think it kind of helps him. I remember going in Brother Billy Paul's office at the, in Jeffersonville and looking. And all over his office, he had CDs. Back then, we had a thing called CDs. A little round disc, you know. We put it in our car and, and played music on. And Brother Billy Paul, his office was full of Southern gospel music. Maybe I shouldn't tell on him like that, but he was just full of it. He just loved Southern gospel music. And Brother Branham told that on him back then. He said, yeah, I go in the office, he's constantly got them tapes of singing going all the time. He said, I think it kind of helps him. He said, you know, there's something about song that's got power in it. We all know that. He said, we're aware of that. He said, see, he said, that's, look at the army. When they sing the songs and play the music, do you know the approach to war in the army of God is first by music? Amen. The singers went before the ark rejoicing and singing. He said, then come the ark and then the battle. That's right. So that's the right approach. Amen. Hallelujah. Sometimes you feel so bad because of the things you've been through. You need to be made to feel good before you can hear the word. And sometimes you need to be made quiet so you can worship and so you can hear the word. It just depends on what you're going through, but God knows. God knows, and he's able, and that's why when we come to play, when we come to lead singing, we should pray because what you do is just as important as what I do. We should pray, we should seek God because it's not a last-minute thing. It's something, that, it's something that matters because there's... In order to be signs of life in the church, there's got to be a response to the music, and the music needs to be right. right. I'm glad for the music that we have, and many times, most of the time, it's right, and I'm glad for that. I'm glad for that. Listen, that's the right approach. It's through singing. Where else would we look for signs of life? Now, you think, Brother Ben, you're running out of places. Not yet. Not yet. You see, we don't just worship together. We fellowship with one another. And we have a fellowship hall. No, not every church does, but every church has somewhere, someplace, or maybe the, 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 all, the lot outside, the parking lot, maybe the McDonald's. Every, every place, every church has some place where the people fellowship together. We have a fellowship hall. So I want to look for signs of life. Have I got a few minutes this morning? We haven't been very long. There's got to be signs of life in the fellowship hall. Boy, it's getting quiet. <laughs> so you say, well, Brother Ben, I haven't been in there in two years or five years or whatever, but there's signs of life in the fellowship hall. <laughs> I'm so glad to see some signs of life. I told you here before, Brother Branham, he, said, he talked about the Holy Ghost. He said the Holy Ghost, he said here was a rock. He said he turned over a rock, and there was a little seed had grown into a little, a little flower, a little lily, and he screamed out. He said, Father, look at this. Yeah. Amen. What was it? A sign of life in all that chaos and darkness. The Word was working, 
And the Word doesn't just work in the, in the pulpit. The Word doesn't just work at the altar. The Word doesn't just work in the pew. But the Word works in the fellowship hall. Yes, sir. Huh. Acts 2.42, the first thing the church did, very early in the church, the church began to fellowship. It says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Oh, that's good, Brother Ben. They all had the same doctrine, all saying the same things. That's wonderful. And fellowship and in breaking of bread. That's eating together. They didn't just stand there and break bread, but literally eating together. And in prayers. I am pro-eating together, and not just because I'm fat. <laughs> but you fellowship around a meal many times. Many times you fellowship around a meal. I've been uh, proud of some of you because you invite people over and you do things like that. And, and the Erskins are, are new with us, but they've tried to make their home a place of fellowship. And I've tried to make mine a place of fellowship. Some of y'all don't ever get to come, and I apologize for that. But we've tried to work our way through the church and have different people over. And, and you just got people over on Sunday night, and my wife may kill me for saying this, but if you, if you want to fellowship with someone on Sunday night, come to my house. Because we've always got something going on after church, because it takes me a little bit to kind of get out of the service a little bit. And, and so we usually have uh, something going on at my house on Sunday night. But there's a reason why we do that, because we love one another. Amen. It's not because somebody get up, got up here and told us to do it. Right? But if there's got to be signs of life in our fellowship, in how we treat one another. Look, in 1 Peter 22, 1, 22, seeing you have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit, unto unfeigned and what that means is when you see somebody, I see Brother Joe, I don't have to say, oh, Brother Joe, I'm so glad to see you. I just love you. And then walk away and say, I can't stand that man. That's feigned love. Right? Feigned love. Walk up to Brother Austin and say, Brother Austin, I just love you. You're just such a wonderful person. God bless you. Man, that guy's annoying. <laughs> he's 16. He's got a right to be annoying, right? But that's what, that's what we do many times. That's feigned love, fake love. He said, see that you have purified your souls. From what? From malice, from bitterness, from hate. In obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart. Fervently. Fervently. Amen. With it, put some effort into it. Love one another fervently. Amen. He said, then the first thing you know, he, listen, he's talking about, Brother Brown's talking about the fellowship, our fellowship together. Many times it happens at the fellowship hall, but wherever you fellowship. He said, the first thing you know when you started doing those things, you let down the bars, you begin compromising. Then the church began to get little clicks in among them. It always goes together when there's a compromise in the word. And listen, if there's a, a moral compromise, there is a compromise in the word. It always goes together. But when you have a compromise in the word, then you have a compromise in fellowship. It brings down fellowship. He said the church begins to get little clucks, clicks in among them. And this one said, you know, the pastor is just so-and-so or the deacon so-and-so. And the first thing you know, you listen to that. And that's the reason we've had so much trouble is because you begin to listen to the devil and get a snarl instead of listening to the gentle dove, the Holy Spirit, the dove of God that would lead you and guide you, love you and bless you. He said, first time you get one of those little temper spasms, because you've been listening to that, the dove flies right away. He said, well, you know, it's like little cliques will rise up in the church. You know, it's you pastors. See, they, they like they say birds of a feather. 
But if we're born again, brethren, that's not the attitude to take. I ought to be able to fellowship with every one of you. Now, there's some of us don't have so much, so many things in common. We won't maybe fellowship together so much outside of the church. But when we're here together, we ought to be able to fellowship together as much with an old person, as a young person, as a middle-aged person, as a person with children, with no children. Why? Because we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. Right. No cliques. Now, you may, in your everyday life, there's people, you know, you got your kids in school. Maybe your kids are in school with somebody, and they become friends because they're around them. But that's the reason we come to church and fellowship here, because we're all together. And it keeps cliques from forming. He said, you know it, you pastors. He said, you know it, you pastors. See, they say birds of a feather, but if we're born again, brethren, that's not the attitude to take. If we see something wrong in our brethren, listen to this. God help me this morning. God help me. Many times I'll bring it up, and I... I I'm ashamed of myself for doing that. I don't spread stuff around. But sometimes just around the table, I get so frustrated. I'll get a phone call or a text, and I say, why do they do it like that? Why do people have Because I have to deal with other places, other churches, other ministers, and, and, and not people here, but just around. And I'll say, why do they have to do it like that? And I'll say that publicly. And I feel bad about that because, you know, Brother Brown said, if we see something wrong in our brethren, let us just pray and keep it before God and love that man. Till we bring him right into the presence of God. He said, that's really the way to do it. He said, but Brother Ben, it just don't make me happy. Well, you need to check up on your experience. I don't like being around people because of something that happened or something that's taken place. Well, you need to check, you need to get that out because it'll become a habit. Yeah, sure. I know things, you don't get over things overnight, but it's got, it needs to move its way out. It needs to work its way out because if it never works its way out, you'll always have less than what you could have in fellowship. Right. Brother Branham said, the pleasure of a Christian is serving the Lord at the house of God. You don't have to sign up no cards. You can't open the door quick enough. <laughs> you ever been to a, one of these uh, uh, concerts? I, I've never been to a country concert or a rock and roll concert. I've been to southern gospel music concerts. That's the only type of concert I've ever been to outside of just, you know, singing in church. And <laughs> them, them old people be there early. We'll go through sometimes Silver Dollar City, and them, them folks will be there in their wheelchairs and in their buggies. They'll be there at uh, maybe some of y'all or some of them. I don't know. But, <laughs> but they'll be there in their little buggy or their little cart four hours before the singing starts. And they're waiting in the heat and the sun. And they're sitting there. And they make sure they got there right. At, and when they open that, they flood in. And then they sit in the heat on hard benches for four hours to see their favorite gospel singer. And it always amazes me. I said, then people have zeal. Why? Because that's their pleasure. The pleasure of a southern gospel music fan is to be there when, when Ernie Haas begins to sing. That's their pleasure. The pleasure of a ball, a ball fan, they'll show up early in the day and they'll go all day drinking and carousing and when they finally get to game time, they'll be sure they're in the stadium, buy the best seats they can find and be right among the people and they're so happy and so and, 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 and they're making noise and glad to be there. Why the pleasure of a baseball fan or a football fan is being in the stadium. That's where they're their happiest. Listen to me. But the pleasure of a Christian is serving the Lord at the house of God. You don't have to sign no cards. You can't open the door quick enough. They'll be there. Why? It's their pleasure. Amen. It's their pleasure. Oh, let it be our pleasure. Many times the world drags that out of us. Our bodies, we don't feel like it. It may not be the pleasure of the flesh, but it's the pleasure of the Christian. 
Amen. Many times you don't feel like it, and, and your body will, will, especially around church time, you begin to hurt. But the pleasure of a Christian is serving the Lord at the house of God. I know some of you, sometimes you can't come, but you want to be here. That's your desire, and I see that in your heart and in your eyes. And, and, and when you are here, you really worship, and I appreciate that because that's your pleasure. I didn't have to sign you up for that, but you're here. If the members of the church love one another, he said, enough, instead of putting little clicks and pulling away from the church, he said, brother, if you love one another so much that it just hurts your heart, do you got together again? <laughs> There'd be less fighting if we did that. I, uh, I've got family. I'm not able to be around very much. Khalilah lives in Oklahoma, and where you go to meetings. When we go to meetings over there, you know, you're always busy doing stuff. So they come over when there wasn't a meeting so we spend some time together and the boys. And, and I'm so glad to be able to do that. But I got family. I'm not able to be around much. I'm around you guys more. But you know what? I miss you more than I do some of my family. <laughs> I got family that serves the Lord. And I'm thankful for that because that's double, right? But you know how you miss the grandkids if you haven't seen them in a while? You miss somebody, an aunt or an uncle or somebody that you love. You haven't seen them in a while. Oh, how much more ought you to miss one another? He said, brother, if you love one another so much that it just hurts your heart. I can remember going to meetings as a kid, just a little kid. And when we left, I felt so bad. I thought, oh, I, I don't know when I'll see those people again. I, I didn't remember what was preached. I, I didn't know. I was so little. I didn't know what was going on. But I love the people so much. I want to be around the people. That's the way we ought to be. It just hurts your heart till you got together again. That's the way it should be. Listen to me. You say, well, but the people aren't friendly. But the people are us. <laughs> if the people aren't friendly, the people are us. That's the problem. <laughs> we put so much on a preacher. Standing in the pulpit, and I've seen it. People rush in and, and make sure they get their good seat and rush out. Because the pleasure of the people is hearing the preaching. But the pleasure of the... The pleasure of the Christian is to be, is serving the Lord at the house of God and to be together. Right. right? If you love one another so much, it just hurts your heart till you got together again. That's the way it should be. It's not about who's preaching. Yeah. It's about the word. It's about the fellowship we have with one another. He said, oh God, listen to this. I'm closing in just a moment. He said, oh God, if we have to take every miracle out of the church, if we have to take all the pipe organs out, and the plush pews give us back to that godly love, brotherly love among the people in fellowship. If we have to do all that, take it back to that again. Yeah. What's he saying? I'd rather have the fellowship than the nice piano. It's a nice piano, isn't it, Austin? But I'd rather have fellowship than the nice piano. I'd rather have fellowship than a nice organ we've got a nice organ top of the line but i'd rather have fellowship than a nice organ we put i think pretty nice chairs in here for you but i'd rather have fellowship than the nice chairs are you with me now if we have to take every miracle listen i, I believe in miracles i believe god will do a miracle for you this morning if you'll ask him i believe in a god of miracles but if we had to do without miracles i'd rather do without that than do without love are you with me now? We don't have to do without miracles, but I'd rather do without miracles. I'd rather have the, take every miracle out of the church and have love. Right. Take away the good preaching take, or bad preaching, whatever you think. 
Take away whatever it is. Take away all the sound equipment and everything else. Strip it there. If I had love, I'd be okay. If there were people there that wanted to be together, that wanted to worship God together, that weren't just waiting the first chance they could get to get out the door, but wanted to love one another, wanted to be together. If you could just have some people that really were in love with God and in love with one another, what would you have, oh church? I don't, you know, this church, I don't know if we may grow, we may not. I don't know what, what the future holds, but I feel like the church will grow in numbers. But oh, we, may we never lose the closeness of being able to look at one another and know each other's names. And being able to shake hands with one another. And being able to love and hug one another. And being able to know if one person's hurting, that the whole church is hurting with them. God, if we don't have that, we need to do a checkup in our own hearts. There's a problem in the fellowship hall. There's no life in it. John 13.35, Jesus said, this is the way the world's going to know. This is the movement that they'll look for. I'm, this is not how God knows. God knows who's his. But it's how the world knows. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples. If you have love one to another. They're watching like you did the little baby in the crib. They're watching the baby in the crib. And the baby's laying there. And they walk over. And they lay their hands. I've done this to Melody many times when she was a baby. Lay my hand on her head. Lay my hand over her mouth to make sure she's breathing. Because they'll lay so still. And the world is watching the church. Not to see what doctrine we preach. But to see if we have love one for another. They're watching when we rush out of the church and go and never be around anybody. They're watching. But this shall all men know. That you're my disciples. If you have love one to another. Oh God, help us today. Musicians, go ahead and come. I'm going to close. There's a story of a young lady walked into a fabric shop. She went up to the counter and asked the owner for some noisy, rustling, white material. The owner owner finally found a couple bolts of fabric that would work, but he was puzzled by why a young lady would want that. Why would anyone want several yards of noisy material? Finally, his curiosity got the best of him, and he asked the young lady why she wanted noisy cloth. Most people don't want that. And she said, you see, I'm making a wedding gown. My fiancé is blind. And when I walk down the aisle, I want him to know when I've arrived at the altar so he won't be embarrassed. Listen, we live in a blind world. If you really love people, you want to put the, add the frills, the the lace, whatever's going to make noise onto the dress so that people, that's our love for one another. So that the blind can see when we get to the church that we love one another. She said he's blind. He can't tell. He can't tell when I, when I stop. So as soon as he heard the noise stop, he would know she was there. Oh my. I think that works. Would you bow your heads with me as, this morning? I think that works for us as Christians too. Now we know Jesus isn't blind. He can see us. But I want to make enough noise by the word that I'm wearing. 
I want it to make enough of a difference in my life that he knows when I'm walking and he knows when I stop. He can hear the rustle of the fabric. Oh God, may my love be like that, Lord. Let my, let, let my, the, the cry of my heart, let it be like that. So that when the world looks, they wouldn't have to question whether I love God. They wouldn't have to question whether we love one another. Because they can hear the fabric rustle. Oh God, may we be like that. <laughs> Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I, I know every heart that's here this morning, there's something in them. Lord, they want to be like that. Maybe they don't know how. They don't know what to do. Lord, I pray that you'd move into their hearts right now. May the love of the Holy Spirit move into the hearts of the people. Lord, that's when, that's when John began to leap for joy, when he was filled with the Holy Ghost, as the Scripture said, in his mother's womb. Oh, Lord, may we be full of the Holy Ghost, and may our muscles begin to move. Lord, may our arms begin to move a certain way into the direction of the, your headship. May our legs begin to move a certain way under direction of your headship, Lord. May our life begin to move and begin to produce beautiful music, a love song, Lord, that to, to you, so that you would know, Lord, when we're moving, you would know you could hear the noise. I pray you'd grant it, Lord. I pray you'd move into each one of our lives. Help us to love one another with a pure heart fervently. Lord, may there be signs of life in the pulpit. Lord, may we put every effort that we have into it. Signs of life on the platform. Signs of life in the altar. Signs of life in the pew. And signs of life at the fellowship hall. Oh, Lord, so you could be pleased and the world would know we are your disciples. Not because we said we were message people or we believed in a prophet, but because they saw the love that we have for one another in a time of hate, in a time, Lord, when the world is at enmity one against another, in a time of Cain, may we be the apostles of love. I pray you grant that, Lord, we pray. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you love him this morning? Amen. Let's just worship him a moment. Could you just lift your hands to him this morning? I believe he's here. If you've got a need, the altar's open. If you just lift your hand to him, Lord, under the movement, under the control of the head, I'm just going to lift my hands to you and I'm going to worship. And I'm going to believe that you're able to move in my life. I'm going to believe that you're able to take care of the situation. But I'm going to worship you, Lord, in spite of my pain, in spite of my struggle, in spite of the circumstances of my life. I'm going to love you, Lord. I'm going to let my dress rustle. I'm going to let the, the fabric make noise so that the world will know who I am. Draw me near Granny, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You are. Let's just sing it together. Let's stand and sing it together. Oh, I just want to be. Oh, we thank you, Lord Jesus. That's where I want to be. I want to be in your dwelling place forever. I love you so much. I want to be with you. In I want to be with your people. Place forever. Hallelujah. Oh, take me to the place. Won't you just worship him for a moment? Let him know I'm not here because I want to be seen. I'm here because I want you to see me worship, Lord. I'm here because I want to, I want you to be pleased, Lord. I'm not going to give less than my best today. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Oh, I just want to be where you are.
standing in your holy presence. Standing in your holy presence. I don't want to worship from afar. I want to come close. Put my hands on the Lamb. Hallelujah. From afar. Hallelujah. Amen. Just give Him that love this morning. Let Him know how much you love Him. Draw me near to where you are. Sing it with all your heart. I just want to be where you are. If you need prayer, please feel free to come this morning. I just want to be where you are. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. In your dwelling place forever, take me to the place where you are. Oh, I just want to be with you. Let's sing that verse one more time. Oh, I just want to be where you are. Oh, standing in your holy presence, I don't want to worship from afar. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Oh, because he lives, all my fear is gone. Because I know, yes, I know He holds my future. Oh, and life is worth the living just because He lives. Oh, because He lives. I can face tomorrow because He lives. All my fear is gone because I know, yes, I know He holds my future and life is worth the living just because he lives oh because he lives I can face 
tomorrow because all my fear is gone because I know yes I know he holds my future and life is worth the living just because he Praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord. No matter what tomorrow brings, what it has in store, I will praise the Lord. Oh, I will praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord. No matter what tomorrow brings, what it has in store, I will praise. Let's lift our hands and sing it to Him again. Oh, I will praise the Lord. Yes, I will praise the Lord. No matter what tomorrow brings, what it has in store, I will praise the Lord. One more time before we go. Yes, I will praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord. No matter what tomorrow brings, what it has in store, I will praise the Lord. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. Let's just sing that chorus just before we go. I claim the blood, key of G. I claim the blood Jesus shed on Calvary. Those precious blood stains, they were made there just for me. Oh, for all my sins, my sickness, and my pain. When I need healing, I just claim those precious blood stains. Once again, with all our hearts, oh, I claim the blood. 
Jesus shed on Calvary those precious blood stains they were made there just for me oh for all my sins my sickness and my pain when I need healing I just claim those precious blood stains Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. Amen. Are you thankful to be in the house of the Lord this evening? Or this morning, rather. I mean, just a, such a wonderful job there. Just appreciate the, the message this morning. Be, be praying for our pastor and then be praying for Brother Stewart this evening as, as we just join together again at 3 o'clock. Just be praying that God would just move and speak to us. Let's sing that song if we can. <clears throat> he set me free. I was thinking that was the key of G. I'm sorry. But just as we're dismissed, let's sing that song if we can. Yeah, key of G. Well, once like a bird in prison I dwell, no freedom from my sorrow I fell. Then Jesus came and he listened to me. Glory to God, he set me free, yes, he set me free, yes, he set me free. The bonds of prison for me I'm glory bound my Jesus to see Glory to God Amen, you're free to go in the name of the Lord Now I am climbing higher each day Darkness of night has drifted away My feet are planted on higher ground glory to god i'm homeward bound and he set me free yes he set me free he broke the bonds of prison for me i'm glory bound my 